Before we get started, a quick warning that this episode has some pretty disturbing language in it. All right, let's go. From Gimlet, this is Reply All, show about the internet. I'm Alex Goldman. When did you first see the John Ronson spam right. bot? Well, I, I accidentally typed my name into Google and discovered this other John Ronson um, with my face and my name, John underscore Ronson, on Twitter. And as I stared in surprise at its timeline, I tweeted, Going home, got to get the recipe of a huge plate of guarana and mussel in a bap with mayonnaise, hashtag yummy. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, who are you? And it was like, um, watching Seinfeld would love a delicious sour cream kebab with chives. Hashtag foodie. John Ronson's a journalist, filmmaker, documentarian. He wrote a movie. He's written a couple of books that were bestsellers. He's not Kardashian famous, but people know who he is. And people follow him on Twitter. And now there was this Twitter bot impersonating him, saying things like, I am dreaming something about time and cock. <laughs> so, and it was being followed by, like, people that I knew from real life who were suddenly wondering, why has John Ronson become so candid about dreaming about cock? John was pissed. It wasn't unreasonable that someone might confuse this bot for the real John Ronson. So he decided to find out what this thing was and who was behind it. Who were they? Academics and intellectuals. There was three of them. And they decided for some academic exercise to create this John Ronson spam bot. They called it an infomorph. They wouldn't take down the spam bot, but they agreed to meet me. They said I could film their encounter and put it on YouTube. The video's pretty awkward. Three white guys in their 20s or 30s squeezed together on this tiny couch. And John Ronson's asking them questions from off camera. It starts off with them complaining about the way that John has arranged them on the couch. Why are you concerned about, about, the, about the setup of the food in, in the row? The same thing you're concerned about, control. What do you mean? Control of environment. It's uh, about psychological control, isn't it? A lot of the video is just John asking different versions of, why are you guys doing this to me? And then just sort of avoiding the answer. Well, we, perhaps we should go back to how John School Ronson was created. It's actually come from the Wikipedia page. It's taken the sum total of everybody else has written about you on Wikipedia and turned that into a personality. He said the other day, thinking about time and cock. Do you ever think about time and cock? Yeah. Do I what? You said yes. <laughs> no, no, of course I don't think about time and cock. You're pretty un unhappy with the... Yeah, because it had taken my identity. And they told me that it wasn't taking my identity. It was repurposing social media data into an infomorphic aesthetic. The point is, you're using my name and my photograph to blar on about wasabi dumplings. Oh, we're not doing it. It's doing it. <laughs> so that's going to give you a tightness in your chest. <laughs> uh, and they said that they were annoyed with me, because what right did I have to be the only John Ronson? Uh, they sound kind of like assholes. Yeah, they were <laughs> assholes. Um, but then I posted the video uh, on YouTube, and I was expecting people to be mocking me because I'd been so screechy. But, like, everyone was on my side. Everybody. And it went from, you know, this is outrageous, 
you know, these people, you know, are stealing this person's identity and then laughing at the victim's hurt and anger. Within a few minutes, that had gone to um, break them, destroy them. <laughs> that went to the <laughs> they're fucking psychopaths. And that went to gas the cunts. <laughs> so it went from naught oh to 100 miles an hour in, like, seconds. That's awful. I know, terrible. Uh, and I went from being, like, thrilled that everyone was on my side to feeling like, you know, like we were just toddlers crawling towards a gun. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The reaction to the video John posted was so uniformly vicious that the three academics stopped updating the Spambot's Twitter feed. But John was so spooked by that very viciousness, viciousness that at first scanned as righteousness, that it sent him down a rabbit hole into the world of online public shaming. And he didn't have to look far to find public shamings that literally ruined lives. He actually wrote a book about it, which comes out this week, called So You've Been Publicly Shamed, which is full of case studies about online shaming, but none so heartbreaking as Lindsay Stone's. Okay. No pressure, no pressure. That's Lindsay Stone in an interview that John did for BBC Television. So what was your job back then? Um, I worked at, um, uh, here we go with the arms. <laughs> you couldn't hope for a better human being. Uh, works with adults with learning difficulties. Lindsay worked for a Cape Cod-based nonprofit called Living Independently Forever, and people regularly told her that she had a special knack for working with this population. I was in charge of the Friday night activities. So we would do karaoke, dances. Um, we would take them to baseball games when we could at Fenway. Um, just anything special that we could do for them. People really liked her and Jamie at where they were working. Jamie was Lindsay's best friend at work. And she played a small but important role in this story because, you see, she and Lindsay, they had this running joke. Of like, posing in front of signs and doing the opposite of what's happening in the sign. One of our dreams was a sign outside of CVS that said, no skateboarding, no rollerblading, no loitering. And I, it was all on this one sign. And it was our dream to, do, <laughs> to take a picture doing all of those things under that sign. It was just this dumb, goofy thing they did occasionally. One day in 2012, Lindsay and Jamie took their clients on a trip to Washington, D.C. So when, what, did you, what did you do? We saw, we went, um, we went everywhere, I feel like. We went to the JFK Museum. We toured the National Mall, um, the Smithsonian, um, and Arlington National Cemetery. <laughs> we had just seen the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Um, and so we, had, we, saw, we first saw a sign that said, keep off the grass. 
and but we we didn't want to get in trouble, so we didn't take that picture. <laughs> so instead, she sees a sign that says silence and respect. And we thought it might be funny to us to take a picture mocking the sign and doing the opposite of appearing silent and respectful. The picture, taken by Jamie, is Lindsay crouching next to the silence and respect sign, her hand cupped to her mouth like she's yelling, and she's flipping the bird. She has sunglasses on and she's smiling, clearly proud of herself. Now remember, this is just one in a series of similar pictures that she and Jamie had made, so it didn't seem all that significant. Just a dumb joke. Jamie uploaded it to Facebook, tagged Lindsay in it. It just sat there and no one cared about it. And then a month later, um, they're in a restaurant. I remember it was a Monday night and we were celebrating Jamie, Jamie's birthday and mine. Um, we're a few days apart. And so we were out for dinner and all of a sudden, all both of our phones start vibrating like crazy. We just kind of put our phones on silent and went about the dinner. And then I remember in the car ride on the way home, I finally, I got a chance to check my email. And there was an email from the director of our program saying, do you know anything about this? And it was um, the picture of me. Someone, and to this day, she has no idea who, took the photo from Jamie's Facebook page and sent it to a pro-military website. It didn't take long for her life to unravel. That same day, someone set up a Facebook group called Fire Lindsay Stone. Seeing it grow from the time we had gotten back from dinner till the time I finally went to bed was insane. Um, I think it was already like 10,000 people. Did you um, read the comments about you? Oh, yeah. No, 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 yeah, I was up all night. I I was up until like five in the morning. Her address and phone number found their way online, as they have a habit of doing in scenarios like these. TV crews started showing up at her door, and her phone rang nonstop. Can you remember, like, specific phrases that people were using? I don't, it's not appropriate to repeat on television. <laughs> Since we're not on television, John repeated them for me, but a warning. Even though we had a language disclaimer up top, this stuff is pretty disturbing. Well, as always, like, within minutes, it goes from, you know, I'm so saddened by this disrespectful photograph to die cunt. Cut out her uterus, rape her. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Soon... There weren't just Facebook groups like Fire Lindsay Stone. There were groups with names like Set Fire to Lindsay Stone. Lindsay, like everyone, had a social life and friends, hopes, dreams, a job. But to the world, she'd been reduced to a single moment. This photograph. Soon after all this blew up, she and Jamie were fired. Lindsay was living with her parents, and she stopped leaving her house. She spent days without sleeping. And against her better judgment... All she wanted to do was see what people were saying about her on the internet. For a while, I got sucked into that routine of wanting to check up on myself and see what people were saying, and it became sort of like an obsession, um, unfortunately. But yeah, there there were quite a few nights where it was hard to sleep, and even when I wasn't online checking up on myself, just thinking, you know, worrying about what direction my life was gonna take if I would ever have a job opportunity. Um, if I would ever be able to move forward, you know. It took a long time, but eventually she got a job she wanted, working with children with autism. But she didn't tell her new bosses about the photo. And then she worried all the time about being found out, especially when people said nice things to her. 
Like when the mother of one of the kids told her she was made for this work. I never thought I would hear those words ever again. You know what I mean? I never thought I would work in that field ever again. And to have someone say to me, like, that you were made for this, I can tell. Like, what if, what if, you, what if you see this picture and you don't feel the same way about this girl in the picture, you know, that is also me. Um, and it's, it, was, it was terrifying the whole time, honestly. So when you heard her story, you reached out to her. Um, how long did it take for her to get back to you? Months. Uh, I sent her this incredibly passionate letter saying I'm completely on your side. I think what's happened to you is terrible. And, and she completely ignored my letter. And then a couple of months later, I wrote back to her and I said, look, you know, I'm really sorry for persevering, but I really want to do this. You know, I, I feel like I have to tell your story. And this book could be, a, you know, could be a bit of a game changer. You know, people, people take my book seriously. And she ignored my, my second letter. So then another couple of months passed and I wrote her again. And I said, look, you know, please don't think I'm stalking you, but I've got an incentive now. And the incentive is that there's this company who want to offer you hundreds of thousands of dollars of free service to scrub that photograph off the internet. When we come back, what it takes to clean up your online reputation after thousands of people have dragged it through the mud. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can upgrade your home with up to $2,400 off select kitchen packages from top brands like Maytag. Enhance your kitchen with the exclusive Maytag French door refrigerator and fingerprint-resistant stainless steel only at the Home Depot. And with dual power filtration on the Maytag Tall Tub dishwasher, you can skip soaking and scrubbing. Right now, get Memorial Day savings up to $2,400 off select kitchen packages at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Pricing valid May 16th through June 5th, U.S. only. See store online for details. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now ebay motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly brake kits led headlights bumpers whatever your baby needs ebay motors has it and with ebay guaranteed fit it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time plus at these prices you're burning rubber not cash keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, back to the show. Before the break, John told us he'd finally gotten Lindsay to talk by dangling this giant carrot. 
he'd help her get her life back by enlisting the services of a company that could disappear this whole terrible chapter. The company's called Reputation.com, and this is their CEO, Michael Fertig. John sent me a series of sort of extremely urgent messages on Twitter, which I've come to understand is pretty much, you know, how he operates. Uh, and he asked if we could demonstrate in a real-life example how someone could help get past his or her digital shaming. That's what Reputation.com does. They change their clients' Google search results. That might seem impossible or it might seem sacrilegious because, of course, for a lot of people, Google is this monolithic public resource or maybe even, like, the definitive index of reality itself. But Michael disagrees. The biggest myth about Google is that there's somehow the First Amendment, there's somehow the truth, and there's somehow God. That there's a natural order of things of how Google presents stuff that is inevitable, inexorable, and correct. And that whatever flows to the top of Google deserves to be there. Michael thinks that, as a rule of thumb, Google can work great, but only when you're talking about people or subjects that have been discussed over a long period of time by many, many people. George Bush, Barack Obama, cancer, climate change, Google probably does a pretty good job. For almost every topic under the sun, that is not true. So for Lindsay, someone with almost no online presence, one little mistake defined her. Michael was really drawn to Lindsay's story. You know, there's a civilian. You know what I mean? This is not a celebrity. And she's just a, a citizen, you know, who did something silly. But it's the, it's the level of silliness that probably every one of us has, has engaged in. So Reputation.com agreed to take on Lindsay's case pro bono, which is huge. Because normally a case like this would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. It seems crazy, but it turns out that rewriting someone's online history is a ridiculously complex process. I had an online reputation manager. I could call him, text him, email him any all hours of the day and night. Like, he spent a lot of time interviewing me and getting to know my likes and dislikes. So Lindsay's reputation manager had to learn everything about her. All the things you don't get from a Google search. Because when you're trying to repair a person's online reputation, you aren't deleting bad stuff off the internet. You're burying it under a pile of neutral or even good information. For example, there's this. Um, I, at the bottom of the first page is the lindsaymstone.com promoting autism awareness website. And uh, I just want to read the first paragraph of this. It's, uh, it says, Lindsay Stone's website, welcome. On this website, you'll find a wide range of information on autism spectrum disorders. My goal is to promote awareness of autism spectrum disorders and support the research and outreach efforts. This goes on for a while. Domestic and international organizations. Only by This is a website that Reputation.com built for Lindsay Stone. She didn't put this up on her own. And it's not the only website that they built for her. There was the Travels Through North America blog, Lindsay Stone's favorite books and movies blog, a website about music, her love for Iggy Azalea, her resume. They would generate this content for me. Like, they, they would create blogs and posts and social media to try to bolster my online presence because I didn't really have one, you know. And lots of, like, photographs of you doing, like, kind of normal, nice things and yeah, not... I sent, yeah, I sent them a lot of photographs of, like, me on trips and just things, like, doing normal yeah. things. They take all these sites and link them to one another, all in an attempt to manipulate the Google algorithm. Because with Google, the more people who link to these pages, the higher they appear in the search returns. And the idea is for them to get high page ranks and will push 
the negative judgments down to like page two or page three of Google, which is where only crazy people look. Right. I would. I can count myself among those crazy people. I also consider myself one of those <laughs> crazy people. The Fire Lindsay Stone page, the other mean stuff, it started dropping when you searched her name. So all these new, bland, innocuous Lindsay Stone pages linked together, they started to create a smokescreen, a haze under which Lindsay's one stupid mistake began to disappear. So how successful was Reputation.com with Lindsay Stone? I'd say, I mean, they said to me, this is the hardest job we have ever taken on. So so they knew that, you know, it was tough. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a Google search on, on Lindsay Stone right now while I've got right. you here. It's got a little bit worse because my book's just come out. <laughs> right. Uh, well, one of the things that I, I noticed was there are stories that relate to the photograph on the first page, but stories that are in her defense yes. tend to be up at the top. There, there was discussions, actually, between Reputation.com and Lindsay about that. Like, they said to Lindsay, look, how would you feel if we try and leave up there those kinds of articles? I think even Gorka wrote a pro-Lindsay article saying, you know, happy now, this good employee's been fired over a joke. And I think Lindsay was like, sure, so the photograph is still there, but it's now interspersed with lots and lots and lots of other photographs of Lindsay doing other things than flipping off military cemeteries. When you search Lindsay Stone on Google today, the Fire Lindsay Stone Facebook page is nowhere to be found. But another Facebook page called Hire Lindsay Stone is the second result. So after many months of work, Lindsay got her life back, which is great. But... What if it's not a lovable caretaker of disabled children that wants their reputation cleaned up? John told me the story of a guy named Phineas Upham, who was arrested along with his mother on tax evasion charges in 2010. They tried to hide $11 million um, from the American government and, and um, uh, sneak the cash back into America. This, this came and went very quickly. Right. Um, Phineas's mother pled guilty and she was fined $5 million. And then Phineas, all the charges were dropped. And then that was it. It was over. And for a while, that was the main thing on Google about Phineas Upham. But then something odd started happening. And John learned about all this from a fellow journalist, a guy named Graham Wood. Graham had gone to school with Phineas, and so he'd been following the case pretty closely. Graham never bothered to cancel his Google News alert. Uh, and that's how he began to notice that Phineas Upham was getting all these really weird accolades. So, like, he was appointed head finance curator of Venture Cap Monthly, whatever that meant. <laughs> and something called Charity News Forum voted him Philanthropist of the Month. <laughs> and he started uh, writing for a magazine called Philanthropy Chronicle, and he published a collection of essays. So suddenly Phineas Upham had become this sort of glorious human. So Graham felt a bit suspicious and started looking at all of these accolades, and, and saw that the websites where these accolades were appearing were all very flimsy. They looked kind of amateurish and kind of temporary, and there was like nothing past the first page. And so he, he went to the address of the Philanthropy Chronicle and discovered that Philanthropy Chronicle didn't exist. 
Phineas had paid this mysterious company called Metal Rabbit some presumably great sum of money to make up shit about him online. (laughs) To be clear, Michael Furtick and Reputation.com will not make stuff up in order to improve a client standing on the internet. And also, unlike a lot of shadier reputation management companies, they don't work with convicted felons or fraudsters or sex offenders. But all the same, out of their two million clients, two million, you got to figure there are maybe a handful as wholesome as Lindsay Stone. Maybe this is like asking a defense lawyer how many of their clients they think are guilty, but do you feel as personally bad for most of your clients as you do for Lindsay Stone? For a lot of them, yeah. For a lot of them, yeah. I mean, I, I understand why there is an instinctive skepticism um, that says, hey, if someone's saying really nasty things about you, there must be, you know, it must be true. And, and as in all things, there's usually a grain of truth, right? Lindsay Stone did take the photograph. That right. she, did. she did pose for it, mm-hmm. right? But the response was just so overboard. It was just so destructive to a human being with real flesh and blood, right? I have not had the fortune of, reviewing our individual customers for some years, but I used to look at a lot of our stuff Mm -hmm. and I was always amazed at how underneath the hood, almost nobody's Voldemort, (laughs) (laughs) even though the internet might think that they are. (laughs) So. So that's the world we live in now. If the internet thinks you're Voldemort, it costs a ton of money to fix it. And unfortunately, the internet is on a perpetual hunt for new Voldemorts. And a lot of the time, the people cast in the role of Voldemort don't have that money. One way to think of the internet is as a great flattening. Everyone's part of the media, and everyone's a potential celebrity. You know, I had a big lesson when I was young and just starting out in journalism. I I was uh, writing a weekly column for Time Out magazine in London, And it was Christmas, and I was, like, desperate to go home. You know, I had to get the train to visit my family, and I was writing a column, and I was, like, a a sentence short. There was, like, a space where I needed to write one more sentence. And so I wrote that this was the year that Paul McCartney's Rupert Bear and the Frog Chorus song was everywhere. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that song. No. It's not a great song. Uh, Anyway, so I wrote, oh, my God, that Paul McCartney, Rupert Bear song, you know, I'm so sick of it. Mark Chapman shot the wrong Beatle. So then I got a letter a couple of weeks later from Linda McCartney saying, are you telling me that my husband and father of my children should be murdered by the man who killed his best friend? Uh, so I wrote back, you know, apologetically and, and said, you know, you know, I, I thought you lived in icon land. And she wrote back saying, you know, I understand, no, no worries. And that was it. But ever since then, that's always hovered over me as like, you know, everybody's human. John Ronson is the author of So You've Been Publicly Shamed, which comes out this week. Files hosted by PJ Vote and me, Alex Goldman. If you want to check out a written version of the story, which features, among other things, the notorious photograph of Lindsay Stone, 
go to dig.com slash tag slash reply dash all. We were produced this week by Tim Howard, Truthy Pinabanani, and edited by Alex Bloomberg. Matt Lieber is a catharsis that you only reach after years of therapy, after you've almost given up on yourself. Our show was mixed by the Reverend John Belore. Special thanks this week to the BBC, Sylvie Douglas, Kelly Prime, and Starley Kine. Our theme music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, and our ad music is by Build Buildings. You can find us at iTunes.com slash replyall or replyall.limo, which was designed in partnership with Athletics. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>